0: Get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh!
1: A jawbreaker!
0: It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli.
2: Greetings and salutations on this Tuesday morning. We welcome you in to another edition of Sports 56 Mornings, the Tuesday, December 12th, 2023 edition. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. The Family Leisure Christmas sale is underway. 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40 Great Deals on just about everything. First hour of the program also brought to you by our friends at East Memphis Ace Hardware. Loaded show for you today on this Tuesday, December 12th. Connor O'Gara joins us at 725 to talk all things college football. Jeff Crane from the University of Memphis at 825. Zoe Goodson in our weekly Rhodes segment at 905. And Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio at 925. We've got Humdinger's Trivia coming your way at approximately 8.05, and we'll let you know what our topic will be for five favorite things. And by the way, we are winding down five favorite things, not only for the year, but uh, for history, as uh, it has been a fun time. We've had a great run of this, but uh, all good things come to an end, so a few more weeks of five favorite things before we put this one on the shelf and maybe the Smithsonian Institu- Institute when it's all said and done. Of course, we'll take your phone calls during open segments and uh, read your texts as well. Hit us up on the Sports 56 listener lines at 901-360-8255. Grizzfall last night to the Mavericks. Jaw spends a good portion of his day in court. We will discuss that. we got University of Memphis basketball news as they get set for a showdown with Clemson. And, yes, the Tigers did not crack The top 25 AP poll. We had two Monday night football games. Two. And they were both exciting games that came down to the wire. So that's all coming up on the program today. Good morning. Good morning. Cold out there, isn't it? Uh, It's a little chilly. 33 degrees. Clear skies. Showers possible this morning. And then partly cloudy in the afternoon. High, though, near 60, Eli. Cold, low 39 tonight tonight. With a chance of rain at about 30%. So, this afternoon, 60 degrees gives you a chance to go back out there in your backyard
3: and rake more leaves. Uh, Probably will be doing that, as a matter of fact. Did a lot of that yesterday. Wasn't, uh, well, yesterday was nice. When the sun was out, it was nice. It was nice when the
2: sun was out. Zach, how are you this morning? Oh, we're doing good. You're done in your red? Yes. Okay.
0: Well, more I got the teal. I got the teal polo. I don't know if you guys can tell. I can see now. You know.
2: looks nice. Nice combination. At least you're not wearing black and you know, honor Keep, the, keeping, Grizzlies keeping lost the, the Grizzlies'
3: loss last night. Keeping the Grizzlies' colors. Hidden, yeah. hidden at this point.
2: Tough one last night. I got my Josh shoes on. Just to oh, they're sharp. They're sharp. Well, they need Ja, we're going to talk about Ja, unfortunately not on the court. We're going to talk about Ja off the court and in the courtroom in just a moment. But last night, the Grizzlies entertaining the Dallas Mavericks. Mavericks win 120-113. to Good effort by the Grizzlies, especially late in the game. They fell behind by 20 points and really battled down until the end, but fall to drop their overall record to 6-16. Three more games if you're counting at home. Before Ja is eligible to return, the Grizzlies now 1 and 10. 1 and 10 at home. Luka Doncic, here's Dallas. I think Dallas is a really good team. I don't think they're a great team. I would be surprised if they make a legitimate run at the Western Conference Championship, but it's a team where if Luka is out, they're average. Even with Kyrie Irving, they're average. With Luka and Kyrie out, this is not a knock on Kyrie. It just tells you how many different things that Luka can do. They're a team that still can beat you, and they did last night. And they got a really good performance from Derek Lively the second 16 points, 16 rebounds. He controlled the boards. Grizzly struggled on the boards. But Luka, again, it's like an average game for him 35 points, eight rebounds, six assists, and a technical foul late in the game because. Vince Williams Jr was I guess getting on his nerves doing trash talk. Vince Williams, let me tell you something. I remember when you laughed at me and I said when I said Vince Williams should be getting some run. Vince Williams, for whatever reason, now they're finally well, it's because of the injuries. That's why they're finally using Vince Williams because they've run out of guys. And Vince Williams, when you have Luka Doncic in the post game saying he's a great defender. A guy who hardly even plays and now is starting to get some run is called a great defender. It tells me a lot of things. First of all, the guy can rebound. He had nine rebounds to go along with 10 points yesterday. Vince Williams is not a starter, but I think he has proven he's a rotation player. And right now he's a two-way guy. And it also tells you that they waited a long time to give this guy an opportunity, and maybe the only reason that he has this opportunity is injury. But Vince Williams, at least, is a bright spot for the Grizzlies. Obviously, Jaron Jackson Jr. had a huge game last night, scoring 41, his third career 40-point game. So certainly that is great news. Although, again, rebounding, he got four rebounds. Derek Lively got 16 rebounds. They ended up starting Santi Aldama and bringing Bismack Biombo off the bench. Biombo only had two rebounds. Aldama only had two rebounds. So really, they were burnt. They were really burned on the boards yesterday by Dallas.
3: Yeah, I wonder. Um, with the fact that Biombo did not start last night, and now it's it very well could just be a matchup deal because Dallas only has the one big in Lively. Um, so you really it, you didn't. There's not a need for a second big. It's a hard matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, but I—I I mean, we—it was thought that it was a foregone conclusion that at the when Jock ja comes back that you're you're going to sign Biombo. But Biombo has, let's be honest, been awful, really, for the last five games or so. Like, mm-hmm. He's doing nothing for you. So, um, was last night a bit of an experiment again with let's see what this how this works with throwing Santi in there and moving Jaron to the five, or was it simply a matchup thing? And the idea is still that you're gonna you're gonna you know keep Biambo for the rest of the year once Jaws suspension ends next week.
2: Yeah, I, I saw you before the game and then you went into the stands and I was up in the media section and the first thing I turned around was wow Bismack Biambo is not starting. I said the same exact thing. Is it because of a matchup or is it because he has been struggling? So it is an interesting question. I thought it was a foregone conclusion that they keep him. Now, here's why I, I still believe they keep him. They still need a big. And whether or not it's somebody else or they make a trade, that's fine. Maybe they'll do that. But they're not playing Kenneth Lofton Jr. So they're not playing him. So why would you decide to let Bismack Biombo go when he's had some good games? But you're right, the last five, he's been awful. He's had some good games, though. But he is somebody they can play. They don't play Kenneth Lofton Jr. So I don't know why you wouldn't just release Kenneth Lofton Jr. and sign Bismack Biombo for the rest of the season and then see what else you can do, depending on if this team gets going once Ja returns. So I think that's the move I would still make, but it is not a foregone conclusion, and it wouldn't surprise me either way now. But again, the one thing is that they don't play Lofton, which makes me think, well, why are you going to keep a guy you don't play as opposed to a guy you actually do play.
3: Oh, well, the last night they barely played Biombo. <laughs> I was like half, he played three minutes.
2: Right, but look at the course of the last month or so since he's been acquired, since they signed him. Lofton doesn't play at all. So again, you're keeping a guy you don't play at all. Doesn't come off the bench, doesn't do anything. And you're going to get rid of a guy who's actually had some good games. They may do that. They may very well do that. But it doesn't make sense to me because it does not appear Lofton Jr. has a future with the Grizzlies. And Biombo may not have a future after beyond this year, but right now, unless they can pull off some type of trade, if they're even looking at a trade, or maybe there's another big that's out there that's available, I would tend to believe that they would keep Biombo. But maybe 60-40 now, when I thought before, it was probably 99% chance they would keep him. And with Noel, which would mean another roster move, He's been really, really good. He only played 753 off the bench last night. I believe that they will let him go. I don't believe they'll sign him for the rest of the year, even though, again, there are some people who say they should.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I think with him it would be, obviously when they get either Kennard or Smart or both back and that, Exception goes away. That's when you have to make a, a decision as far as he is concerned. But if you've got Kennard and Smart back, there really isn't a role for Noel. Right? I mean, you don't. You're, he would. You know, he did not play in the second half at all last night. Didn't get on the floor. It was a very weird rotation second half last night um, because they basically. I mean they, they they rolled without a point guard. <laughs> they, they pretty much just went without a point guard in the second half last night. Uh for the most part it let it was Bain, Williams and Conchar um were basically your your back your guys rotating at the point guard position. Um, because Rose only played um seven minutes. You didn't play Noel at all. Like it was it was very strange as far as the way they went with things in the second half. Um but yeah, I don't you know, I, I think it the only thing You know, with Noel, I don't, I can't see them cutting somebody just to keep him. It would be if you ended up doing a trade of, you know, two for, got rid of a couple people or something in a trade, then maybe, and you open up a roster spot, then maybe you keep him around. But I don't think they, they get rid of somebody just to keep Jalen Noel.
2: Yeah, last night was um, just another example of, of Taylor Jenkins having to try different. Combinations, experiment a little bit, as you said, uh, ru- running with Vince Williams, John Conchar, down the stretch. Again, Vince Williams has been a pleasant surprise, but certainly he's, he's not Kevin Durant. So they, um, they continue to struggle. Unfortunately, to get to the 8 now, that's the number I, I really envision, that 8 number, 8 and 17. They're going to have to win 2 of 3. They have Houston tomorrow night on the road, back home against Houston on Friday in the return of Dylan Brooks, and then at Oklahoma City on Monday before Jaw's expected return for the Tuesday game in New Orleans. Can they win two out of three? I, I don't know. Houston won again last night. But again, Jaron Jackson Jr. last night, tremendous offensive effort. 41 points, going to the hole. He was unstoppable. Des Bane, 28 points, 8 assists. Those two continue to do everything they can to help this team. I mentioned Doncic's numbers. He also played 44 minutes. 43 minutes, 53 seconds to be exact. Shocking to me. Look the entire at, second half. Look at Doncic. Yeah, that's crazy. In this day and age of load management, in just one Meaningless regular season game against the Grizzlies. Luka Doncic played nearly 44 minutes. Jaden Hardy had one of his better games of his young career. He went for 19, hitting threes, coming off the bench. Hardy went five of seven from three. But in the end, the Grizzlies fall to one and ten at home and six and sixteen overall. So we'll see what happens with Houston and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Can they somehow win two? And again, it doesn't mean if you don't get to eight, then your season's over. Or if you get to
3: eight, you're definitely going to be in the play. And it's just a number that I have looked at. The Luca um, Luca's Luke, Luke fantastic. I, I, he is his running commentary last night with basically anybody near the court. He's just he's just every fan up there. They got some back back and forth with Luca. He is—he's great. I love watching him. He loves that stuff. He—you can tell he enjoys it. The stuff with Vince Williams—the just constant back and forth. I would love to hear some of the things that there were that were said there. And then there was a free throw. There was with all the stuff. Like he kept going back and forth with Vince, and then during a free throw, he was over. He and Desmond Bain were having a conversation. I would love to hear that conversation. I want to know what Luca was saying. Either I, maybe he wasn't talking about Vince at all, but I like I picture him going, "Who the hell is this dude? like, like why, why does he keep talking to me? He, does he understand I'm Luca? and I, I don't know who he is. you would you would think that, but again, he was very
2: complimentary of Vince Williams after the game. He did say something about playing one on one, and he got the technical foul for that. What was that all about? Zach, do you know? He said yeah, i don't I don't know what he said. let's play one on one or something like that, and that's why he got the technical foul.
3: But he was. Like, it
2: makes no sense to me why he would be. Teed. And then going back and forth with the fans, like you said, the fans were on him about flopping and things of that nature. And I know Des Bane and a couple other of the Grizzlies, they were getting a little upset with his antics. He's from Europe, ladies and gentlemen. With- I, I think I, he is. Comes with the territory. first of all,
3: he's awesome. Like the dude, his vision and some of the passes he throws are incredible. Like I don't, like he's like I don't even know how he sees the guy. It'll be like some cross court bullet pass. Like I don't, I don't know how you saw him, let alone make that pass to get to him. Um, he
2: threw one in
3: the first two minutes of the game where I think two guys
2: were on the left side. He fakes the throw, looking right at them, and then just chucks it kind of sideways over his head. Perfectly right down the middle, it was probably lively, I don't remember. For an easy dunk, there was nobody near lively, it was bad defense, but it was a great no look pass. So,
0: yeah, so Lucas said, Uh, he was just talking. Uh, this is uh, about Vince Williams, he said he was talking blank the whole time. I told him, I wish they pl- let me play him one on one. That's when I got the tech. So I don't know. The rest got to just let us talk. It's part of the game. I love it. I think he's a great defender. Yeah,
2: there you go. Just, what he had to say something else because yeah, let us play one on one technical foul. That's ridiculous.
3: Last night, also the first time I've. I think that's the first time I've ever seen. A like well, it was only like one section of the crowd, but the crowd give the coach like a standing ovation for ripping his deep a new one. Yes, I mean, Taylor Jenkins lost his mind in the timeout, and after the timeout, the section behind the bench is like giving him a standing
1: ovation. i was like, like
3: <laughs> I didn't notice that. I was like, that's awesome. Like that's just that's fantastic, and I didn't hear it. everybody. Like I had other people telling me that like. You could hear it all over the arena because it got silent. Like they quit playing music in that timeout and right. you could hear it everywhere, which I guess I just wasn't really paying attention. But like when they started cheering, I'm like, what the heck's going on? And then I found out it's because, and then I saw some of the video of him just going nuts. Like I was like, oh my God, I don't think I've ever seen Taylor like that in a timeout, man. He went crazy. And they started to play better. Yeah, and After like the that. crazy thing
0: about it, like I like I like I remember when that happened,
3: because I was like, why say this did they show somebody on the jumbo trash? Like <laughs> was, I was, was kind of confused. It was and, bizarre. I I don't know. I thought maybe like somebody in that section had just won something. I don't know. Like, right. they're, like, they're up. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, they're just cheering because Taylor Jenkins just went nuts in a timeout huddle. Um, and yeah that was right after that he brought Zaire into the game and there was like back to back possession zaire was terrible um gave up a lay they gave up a layup and it was just horrendous and he went berserk which again i it's the, the game like the problem with these home games all of these now like you sit there and last night it was the same thing they would get it to either 10 or nine Dallas would score usually hit a three and then another bucket it would be immediately back to 15. There is like the entire night, it's just there's an inevitability. (laughs) You're like, they're gonna lose. Like, you just, you just, you're like, they're gonna lose. They don't, they're never like really a threat. Like, they get, they seem to get down early and then they, they'll make a little run again. They get to like 10 or nine, but then immediately goes back to 15. They just never. Really threatened to win the game. Yeah, but like it, goes, it's it goes. It goes just, back to so fi- the fans are like, yeah, but it goes back to fifteen. The coach, they'll go cheer the coach yelling at the team because what else do we have to cheer? Well, it goes back to fifteen because they give
2: up an open three and then they give up either a layup or a dunk. Defensively, at most of the time last night, not all the time, but most of the time, there were absolute lapses where Dallas got high percentage shots. I mean, dunks, layups, or hit wide open threes. And Jenkins, as you said, and Zach just said, he lit into this team because of the effort they were given defensively. And then after the game, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, that fans deserve better. They're 1-10 at home. I don't care if Ja's not there they're, and all the injuries. They're 1-10 in at home, and fans are paying their good, hard-earned money to go watch them play. Now, hopefully it'll be a different story next week when Ja returns, and then subsequently,
3: Kennard's smart, and they start
2: to get these players back. But right now, it is not a good product. Which I mean,
3: le- other than the Boston and Denver games... Like what games at home have been like at the end you thought they had a chance to win? Miami? That's right. Miami was was close. It's weird cuz like the better teams. Yeah, Boston, Denver, Miami. Like I mean But Dallas is really good. I think that Pelicans
0: home game, they could have won that game. They just they they just let go of the rope. It
2: is interesting though. 5 wins so far on the road, one at
0: home. There was a
2: um an interesting um Person in the stands last night. Maybe, maybe multiple people. I, I don't know who who all was at. The there were game. definitely multiple people there. <laughs> no, I mean multiple famous people. That's or right, multiple, get the multiple known people. I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't uh, go around and check on everybody. But um, Naquan Tomlin was at the game. There was the rumor yesterday. That he was in town visiting with the University of Memphis. For those who don't know, Tomlin, recently a member of the Kansas State Wildcats basketball team, was let go from that team. And he's on a visit with the University of Memphis. Penny Hardaway, who did his coaches show last night, his radio coaches show, came over to FedEx Forum. Rick Stansbury was there earlier. I assume he was there with Naquan Tomlin. So Tomlin, who is expected to graduate next week, will be eligible to play immediately after enrolling at his next school. Don't know if it'll be Memphis. I'm sure there's a lot of other hot pursuiters that are looking for his services, but Tomlin in Memphis last night at the game at FedEx Forum.
3: That's some really good seeds.
2: (laughs) There were good seats available, too. Oh, yeah. In the meantime, stand, Stansbury was not sitting with him. I don't know if he might
3: have been there with him, but he was not sitting.
2: With well, him. he was, he was. Yeah, you, but, you were yeah. down, you were down there, you know, stealing somebody's seat. But I was upstairs, so
3: I couldn't tell. I was but, not stealing anybody's seat. I had a ticket for the seat I was. Sitting Did you really? Do every, every game?
2: <laughs> every game, you have a ticket.
3: When I sit in the stands, I sit in the seat that I have a ticket you, for. It. Do you pay for the ticket? And I was sitting directly you, ac- directly do you, do you across. Pay, do you pay for the ticket? I was sitting directly across from Tomlin.
2: You asking me, do I pay for it? No, I'm I'm looking at you, waiting for his answer. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't pay for it. He's got, he knows people in high places, I can tell you that. All right, so in the meantime, while the Grizzlies were playing last night, the court session with Ja Morant, <laughs> I don't know when it wrapped up, but it wrapped up late in the day, eight hours yesterday, as Morant testified during the first day of an immunity hearing at Shelby County Circuit Court and testifying in this lawsuit One week, roughly, before he's expected to return, which will be a week from tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans. Morant taking the stand for about three hours, roughly, uh, saying that he acted in self-defense when he punched a teenager at his home in July of 2022, that teenager being Josh Holloway. The altercation, which attorneys representing both sides questioned Morant about at great length, came during a pickup basketball game. Uh, you testified that this basketball was a weapon. Yes, Morant was asked by the prosecuting attorney. Uh, her name is uh, Hollow. Uh, her name is what? Rebecca Adelman. Rebecca Adelman. You testified that this basketball was a weapon. Yes, Morant replied. Yes, a lethal weapon. She asked. It hurt. <laughs> Morant said. Morant testified that during the altercation, he asked Holiday what you want, and then Morant said Holloway didn't reply, but instead pulled up his shorts. And then Josh said him pulling up his shorts, where I'm from, that's a fighting stance. Morant said Holloway took a step toward him and then he stepped forward and punched Holloway. I hit him first to protect myself. Then after that blow, Devontae Pack came in, he punched Holloway, on and on and on. It is... It just seems ridiculous that this is where we are for a punch thrown in a pickup game. I mean, when I was young, pickup games, things like that, sometimes you had altercations, but this is when you have a <clears throat> multi-multi-millionaire and a kid who won't back down. I, I don't know if... I can't even imagine what the legal cost would be. I don't think this is being done pro bono, but certainly a chance for this attorney... To make a big name for herself, I'm not saying that's what she's doing it for, but certainly you're going to get that kind of exposure because this is a story that's become national, not just local or regional. This is a national story. I'm reading this story right from ESPN, Baxter Holmes, senior writer, who's covering the trial. A lot of local media members covering this trial. But again, this is just the immunity hearing. It's not even the actual trial if it continues. What they're trying to figure out is whether or not he acted in defense. And if they feel that he did, then I guess it's, it's over. Right? If they, if they come to the conclusion that he acted in defense... Then I think they don't move on from here. The lawsuit is dragged. Let me see, the lawsuit is dragged through the legal system for more than a year. In the immunity hearing, which is expected to last through at least today, Morant's lawyers aim to have the case dismissed by arguing that he acted in self defense. So who knows if this will go to actual trial, but if they do go to trial, you're going to see the same thing happening, the same questions, the same answers as this thing will linger on and you just wonder when that would actually take place and how it would affect him playing basketball games.
3: The uh, I just love the the demonstration of how you check the basketball. Like I, that, that just, like, I, the fact that that was part of the court proceedings just makes me laugh, like, it just the, 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 brought a basketball in there. We have to do the demonstration of this is how we check the basketball. This is how we pull up our pants. Like, <laughs>
2: but when you when, when you play ball, this don't you hilarious. when you check, don't you do a bounce pass? Sometimes you do a bounce pass.
0: Sometimes you. I, I, chest I, pass. I,
2: I would never do a chest pass. I would always do a bounce pass. But they were doing chest passes,
3: right? When, when they you're were demonstrating chest pass. Yeah.
2: Yes, I guess when you're pissed, you do, you,
0: and, you, and you do a hard chest pass.
3: Yeah. When, it, when the tempers and, and, get flaring, and, and, you do and, and a chest pass.
0: And, and and according to court records, uh, John was saucing them up. So, yeah, I would be mad, too. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I would be mad, too, man. They should,
0: they should
2: ask for a demonstration of trash talk. Can it's you just, give us an example of what trash talk is?
3: That is, I just I saw it. Like, that's just hilarious to me that that's, that's their thing. Folks, we've got a move coming up. You want to make sure you get the professionals to help you with that move. You don't want to try and do it yourself. You don't want your friends to help you. Get the professionals on your side. The right professionals are black time moving. Give the folks at black time moving a call. They will make sure your belongings get where they're going without any issues. They will take care of whatever it is you need to be taken care of. They'll do as much, really, or as little as you want them to do. That's what they do. They work with you, coming up with a plan that fits exactly what you need and what you want from them. They're going to fit your budget as well. Plus, they give you that no obligation quote up front so you know exactly what it's going to cost. Whether you're moving across town or across country, it doesn't matter. You want to make sure you get professional like the folks at Black Tie Moving. All you got to do is give them a call, 901-316-6196, or you can go to BlackTimeMoving.com slash Memphis. Get that personal, no-obligation quote from the professionals at Black Tie Moving.
2: More from the NBA later on, plus college basketball news. But when we return, we turn our attention to college football. We'll be joined by Connor O'Gara from Saturday down south. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.
0: You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Hour number one here on Sports 56 Mornings, the Tuesday, December 12, 2023 edition. It is time now to talk some college football with Connor
0: O'Gara. It's time to talk some SEC and college football. Joining Greg and Eli is Connor O'Gara from SaturdayDownSouth.com and SaturdayTradition.com. Here's Connor O'Gara with Greg and Eli.
2: He, in fact, is the senior national columnist for Saturday Down South, the host of the Saturday Down South podcast. He joins us every other week. To, uh, to talk some college football, this is all year long. He's Connor O'Gara. You can follow him on Twitter at CJOGara. How are you, Connor?
1: Gentlemen, doing doing really well. It's a it's a busy time of year, despite the fact that we don't have games to look forward to. It's weird to not have a Saturday full of college football, but uh, all is good. It feels like there's a lot happening in our world.
2: We haven't spoken since the committee announced the four playoff teams, and I don't want to dwell too much longer on this. Uh, we made it pretty clear, Eli and myself, and, and our opinions about Florida State not getting in, but uh, you have the you have the forum, my friend, for a few seconds here. Uh, how did you think they did as far as that's concerned?
1: I, I thought they failed. I, I, I thought that this should have come down to not Florida State versus Alabama, but Florida State versus Texas. And if you tell me that games have to matter, I would agree with you. I would say Alabama beating the two-time defending national champs who had an SEC-record 29-game winning streak, I would say that game mattered. I would say beating them on a neutral site mattered more than a week-two game against Texas, wherein if we're going to talk about Florida State being a totally different team, we should probably also talk about Alabama being a totally different team. And if Alabama had the the better resume overall than Texas in every other area besides the head-to-head, then that's supposed to matter. But I digress. Florida State has every right to feel like it got a raw deal. I, I think it's even worse deal than 2004 Auburn, who didn't get, didn't get to play for a national championship when there was only, obviously, the BCS that awarded two teams, but there were two undefeated teams and two teams that were ranked one and two, USC and Oklahoma, from wire to wire that year. And Auburn was just the odd team out after starting unranked. So, it was a little bit different Auburn winning their bowl game, Oklahoma getting blown out in the national championship changed our perspective. But I would still say this Florida State team got the rawest of deals way worse than 2017 UCF. And if Florida State beats Georgia in that bowl game, we're going to have a claimed national championship. So we need to get ready for that.
3: <laughs> of course, we'll see who plays in that game, too. Um, and a lot of these bowl games, we'll see who actually plays in these games. What about the, the Heisman Trophy? Any surprise at all? For you?
1: I thought the surprise was that it was as close as it's been since 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I, I voted Jaden Daniels one. I have Michael Penix Jr. at two and Bonex at three. So I guess I'm in, in line with a consensus thought. Um, I, I'm surprised that that Jaden Daniels didn't get more for, first place votes. And then again, maybe I, I, I probably surprise is the wrong word. I probably just overlooked how confident I felt in what he did in a 12-game sample size, to have 10.7 yards per play. I mean, C.J. Stroud led America in that stat last year, and he was a full two yards left in that. I mean, the guy has the best quarterback rating in college football history. To have 50 touchdowns pre-Heisman and to do so without even a conference championship game, I mean, it is the stuff of legend. And I had Jason Daniels as the number three Heisman season of the 14 playoff wow. era behind only Lamar Jackson. And then, obviously, Joe Burrow. Like, I think it was that good. So I guess I'm saying I'm surprised that so many people thought that Michael Pennings Jr. was was even better for what he did, obviously beating Oregon twice and and beating them for a second time in the Pac-12 championship. Carried a lot of weight. But I I didn't think the vote would be as close as it was. But I thought, ultimately, we as voters got it right.
2: What did you think of um, what what Charlie Baker had to say, the NCAA president, and what he hopes to get ratified as far as some pretty pretty drastic changes to NIL, which will affect uh, the rich. Uh, the, the schools with the deeper pockets, I think, will be more on board than teams that can't afford what he has uh, proposed.
1: Good luck. Um, good <laughs> luck. I, I applaud anyone who's trying to regulate NIL, but um, I don't know how, how you're going to enforce these things. I, I really don't. I, that, that, to me, is where I come back to. Like, as much as everybody is saying, oh, we're pushing for federal legislation here, we're trying to get this done there, I'm like, are you really going to control those conversations that aren't, happenin- that aren't happening in your plain sight? Mm-hmm. And are you really going to have the time to be able to investigate that every one of these conversations? No. Like, so, to me, I- I'm just not holding my breath on radical changes. Now, whether or not you can enforce those things uh, with universal approval, I think that's a different discussion entirely. Uh, you will be able to enforce some of it. But no, to me, I'm not racing for any radical changes despite what somebody is proposing and what somebody is saying is going to happen.
2: So even though it's it's pretty crazy right now, you'd rather keep it with the collectives rather than the schools dealing one-on-one with the actual
0: athletes?
1: Yeah, I mean, because I don't think there's a whole lot of difference. I I don't think there's a whole lot of difference in the schools handling those because I think you would still, like, okay, so you're going to need boosters here, boosters there like, Boosters are the ones, the ones that are financing these head coaching contracts, so why would I assume that, that schools wouldn't have some sort of outside funding? And there's probably ways you can get around this still. So I, as much as we're talking about, you know, the, the pay-for-player and all, all those different things, like, I, I just don't think that we're that far off of it right now. So to me, it might look different in writing, and it might give people something less to complain about, but I, I don't think the enforcement... Will line up with how stringent some of these rules um, might appear to be on the outside.
3: Yeah, I mean it. It, it seems like a, it's like the last ditch effort to just kind of at least get the control back to the the schools. Because like the money is still going to come from the same sources. It's just going to yeah. go through a different path to get there.
1: Yeah, that, that's what it feels like. And, and to me, like, am I okay with that? Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, you know, when people people who don't follow college football closely, for example, I had. I had my mom and and her fiance in town over the weekend and I'm telling them about some of these head coaching buyouts and she's like, Oh my God, like how can these schools afford to pay these? I'm like, well, you know what, as long as rich people on the back end have this kind of money and they're willing to spend it, then that's just what the market dictates. And you know, I was getting into the conversation about NIL and I was like, if the market says that, that they can afford to pay someone this much money to walk away or this much money in NIL, then." They're just going to do it, and I've kind of resigned myself to that. That's kind of the the you know the the way that a capitalist economy works and in college athletics, whether people want to admit it or not. It's very much a capitalist world.
3: Do you think there's any chance at all that guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. will stay in college because of the NIO money? For a guy like no, that, who's going to be a top you know five pick?
1: No, I, I think that that's no to me like in. in that's where market correction, I actually think, will come in. I don't think those $20 million rumors are true. I, I, I can't imagine true. it being true. There's no way. I mean, there's absolutely no way. And I know somebody can float this out there and say, like, oh, he's really considering if he gets the right NIL package. And I'm not saying that there won't be cases of guys who are on the fence about both who are like, well, there's more upside in being able to come back to school. Like, that That definitely exists. But, but for the guys who are going to be a potential top five pick to get 15 to $20 million to come back for a year. I don't think those cases exist. I think it's different if we're talking about Carson Beck, and I think it was Dog Nation who had, yeah, Carson Beck would like to a $4 million to come back. And if that's the conversation that's being had for a guy who, yeah, has risen up draft boards but would still have probably a lot of questions about him in the pre-draft process, mm-hmm. that's a little bit different. That's I mean, I should say a little bit. That's way different to me than Marvin Harrison Jr., who uh, is going to be probably the first non-quarterback selected in the NFL draft who can go anywhere he wants is clearly NFL ready without really much question. I think those are two different discussions. I don't think it'll have as much of an impact as some are projecting.
2: The Memphis Grizzlies recently played the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mike Conley is on the Minnesota Timberwolves and, I go way back with Conley from his days here in Memphis. So I was talking to him before the game, and I asked him about that Marvin Harrison. I said, "Gosh, there's rumors swirling about twenty million dollars," and he looked at me and said, nah, "There's no way." I mean, these are this is an NBA player, obviously, who's who's kind of tuned into Ohio State pretty well, and he can't even imagine. I can't even imagine that kind of money, even though we're talking about crazy amounts now that these players are able to get through NIL. That just seems ludicrous. That type of money, because because um, yeah, I, I, I can't even see deep-pocketed boosters going that far to keep the kid for another year. So I, I'd be incredibly surprised. And, really and here's shocked. a
1: question: Can I ask this? So Marvin Harrison Jr. this year, Heisman finalist, right? Mm-hmm. Even if he had, even if he had a Devontae Smith 2020 type season, is that worth 20 million dollars? I don't think yeah. so. Not for Ohio State. I don't think that 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 would make as drastic of a difference there and that's to me why i don't think there's any world in which somebody is willing to pay that kind of money for one year when there's also the possibility i could get hurt and pull the, the nick bosa card nick bosa who got hurt early in the year he's kind of like the first opt-out if you go back to that 2018 mm. season when he gets hurt against TCU, mm-hmm. and you know he doesn't play the rest of the year so like to me I just don't see any way in which that happens.
2: Yeah, and especially if it's not a quarterback. You you mentioned the quarterbacks. More likely, they'll get the bulk of the money, but $20 million, that that seems crazy. All right, as far as the coaching moves that have been made to this point, I I believe, I'm trying to remember when we last had you on, I think you were talking already about Mike Elko at Texas A&M, but some other moves that have been made, anything that uh, rattles your chain?
1: I like Manny Diaz at Duke. I think Manny Diaz is a good coach who is in a really tough spot at Miami with what they had in trying to go after Mario Cristobal. And and I think Manny Diaz is one of those guys that's going to bounce back on his feet. And I I understand, look, it's Duke. Mike Elko, Steve Spurrier, Dave Cutcliffe for a little bit. That's it in terms (laughs) of Duke's success in the last, what, four decades? And so I understand he's facing a really tall task. And in this day and age, I think the Dukes and the Vanderbilts of the world are in such a tough spot with how one-way the transfer portal feels and how tough it is to be able to get some of those kids in there and get their credits to transfer over. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is such a difficult thing to have to deal with, and it's part of the reason why I'm looking at Vandy going. I, Vandy might just never have a prayer, and they're building this new stadium to just lose every SEC game that they play <laughs> in it. I mean, I, I truly think that, even though I like Clark Lee. But I, I wonder about that with these programs. But I like the Manny Diaz move, and I like Colin Klein getting the OC job at AM. I thought that was a fantastic hire by Mike Elko to get Colin Klein to leave his alma mater as one of the best offensive play callers in college football. I think he's gonna work wonders at AM.
3: It is it's like, you know, Duke has had the seasons here and there, like Northwestern has the seasons here and there. Vanderbilt doesn't have those I mean, Franklin, I guess James Franklin had what he got to nine wins. Yeah, he had a, and, had a few good seasons. But like in the SEC, they're just like they don't ever it's
1: never happening. Yeah, it's a different era too. Look guys, look at Vanderbilt's roster. They had I was reading a story in the Tennessee and twelve of their twenty two starters from the regular season finale aren't going to be back next year. They already know that. Either because they entered the transfer portal. They had eight starters enter the transfer portal. They had three quarterbacks that already entered the portal. They don't have any quarterbacks left. Like they they, they have their their starting receivers, Will Shepard, London Humphreys. London Humphreys looks like he's gonna end up going to Georgia. Jade McGowan is in the transfer portal. They lost their top running back. Like they, they lost their top defensive lineman, who's already going to USC. Like they lost guys and guys and guys. They either lost them to the transfer portal, retiring from football, running out of eligibility, or declaring for the NFL draft. That's twelve of their twenty-two starters, and that's for a year three Clarkley coached team. Like I, I just think Vandy is just in a spot where they just get, there, there's nothing they're going to be able to do unless they wildly lower their academic standards and they take a page out of the Duke basketball playbook or something, I just don't see any way in which it can happen.
2: Well, I know it's not as bad as Vanderbilt, but it doesn't look promising for Arkansas. And I'll tell you why. They went out and they got Boise State quarterback Talon Green, which tells me then that I believe the KJ Jefferson rumor, which has not been, I guess, announced anything officially by him on social media that he's hit the portal. Now, if they're keeping him, that's a different story. But if they're losing him, Uh, the rocket Sanders has already jumped into the portal. I don't see, I don't see much hope for Arkansas. And then of course you got Texas and Oklahoma joining the conference, but they did yesterday announce that Taylor green has signed out of the portal from Boise state, which tells me again that more than likely they're losing Jefferson.
1: That's really bad. And and they, and the problem right now is that you need to be hosting these quarterbacks on, on recruiting visits. If you're waiting, that market is going to thin out in a hurry. If you're Sam Pittman and your job security is dependent on getting that offense right after it was so unbelievably wrong this past season with the Danny Enos hire, then you need to get your quarterback now. You cannot wait post-spring. There are very few coaches who have gone after a post-spring quarterback and have been able to save their job. Ed Ogeron with Joe Burrow comes to mind in 2018. That is the exception that is not the rule. If Sam Pittman is waiting to get his quarterback because of this K.J. Jefferson thing, then you know there's there's only so much you can do. So it's good that you at least add depth and give yourself a little bit of insurance policy. That's probably not going to be their last move in the quarterback in the quarterback market. Mm-hmm. If KJ is in the portal, that's what I would expect. It is a daunting, daunting path what he is facing after some of the players that they have lost. Chris Paul Jr. as well, uh, a guy that they lost in their defense that was looking like he was going to be a key player coming back for him. Yeah, it is a there is a narrow path for 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 these four SEC programs that I think with coaches that are entering the hot seat who have lost pretty big-time players already in the early part of the portal. I
2: want to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas, which is Monday the 25th. Hopefully you'll be able to get on here with us on Tuesday the 26th. If not, we'll, we'll try to schedule you for some time that week because I want to get, obviously, your thoughts on the bowl games, the big bowl games, the playoffs as well. That would be the next time we're scheduled to, to uh, talk to you, Connor. So, again, have a happy holiday. Merry Christmas to you and hopefully we'll talk that week, if not that Tuesday, one of the other days that week as we get your predictions for the bowl season.
1: Gentlemen, you too. Really appreciate it. Hope you guys have a, a safe and happy holiday season. Yes, let's, Let's mark it down now. We can make we can make Tuesday the twenty sixth happen. We yeah, Christmas we take off Christmas Eve obviously, but no twenty sixth we're we're back at it. We got full season in full swing.
2: You're the man. Thank you, Connor. Thanks,
1: Connor. Appreciate you guys.
2: Connor O'Gara, Saturday Down South. their senior national columnist, host of the Saturday Down South podcast. We got breaking news from the University of Memphis. We'll give you the details when we return. This is Sports Fifty Six Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports Fifty Six and 98.5 FM.
0: Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin for Wolo and Friends weekday mornings from 10 to 11 here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. I got a little change in my pocket, going Jingle. Like we were talking hey, in our first segment
2: about baby. Naquan Eat Tomlin being right. at the. Grizzlies game last night in town visiting the University of Memphis had just been recently released by Kansas State had been suspended this year following an arrest for disorderly conduct back in October and he is graduating or has graduated I'm not I'm trying to get confirmation on if it's already happened or it happens next week I thought I read but Tomlin according to reports this morning has committed to the University of Memphis. This is a talented player, 6 foot 10, averaged last year 10.4 points per game, 5.9 rebounds per game. Again, several reports out there that have Naquan Tomlin committing to the University of Memphis, which brings up a couple of things. Number 1, when would he be eligible to play? And it seems like it would be immediately after the official graduation. And second of all, does this now spell the end of the Jordan Brown era, short-lived, because the rumors have been that Jordan Brown will not play the rest of this season? There was one outlet that reported that, not confirmed by Penny Hardaway, Coach Hardaway after the win at Texas A&M on Sunday, saying that he believed Jordan Brown was still ill. But if you're bringing in a six foot ten center, and you already have Malcolm Dandridge on the team, I don't believe Jordan Brown will be a part of that team. Again, that's just speculation on my part. Nothing official yet. But again, big news. Once again, Penny Hardaway looking at the transfer portal, looking at players that are available, and being able to get these players into Memphis. And normally when he gets them into Memphis, he finishes the deal. So here we go.
3: Yeah, I, you know, I don't really remember Tomlin from the Elite Eight run last year by Kansas State, but he put up good numbers in the NCAA tournament. Um, certainly, good numbers throughout the year. Um, some interesting stuff about his dismissal from mm-hmm. Kansas State. I believe it was the university president who made that decision. Um, and ba- the, the, when he kind of addressed it, he. Put it out that it wasn't just the one incident like he talked about the pattern like a the totality of behavior of a student athlete so I don't know um, he was the, 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 the main incident was a bar fight um, the interesting thing about that is I believe uh, from Jason Munn's story he got diversion for that incident so I know where you're going. I know if, where you're going with this. If you are willing to take one guy who is on diversion for an incident, does that mean you're willing to take another guy who's on diversion for an incident? Here, here's the other thing. Two two things. First of all, athletic director... Mikey direct- Williams, if you ain't following along. Yes, at home. yes.
2: I knew you were going there. Athletic Director Gene Taylor of Kansas State explained the dismissal when this uh, occurred. Here was his quote back when he was dismissed last week, I believe, right? We have heard the concerns and the questions from K-State fans and friends around Naquan Tomlin's indefinite suspension from the men's basketball team. Situations like these are difficult. We know you want answers, but federal privacy laws largely prohibit the university and K-State athletics from publicly discussing specific information around circumstances like this. And then he goes on to talk about the, the laws in place to protect the players and all this
3: stuff, or protect you know, but, humans. The, 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 president, people. the president of the university said when decisions like this are made... A range of factors are considered, including the entire history of a student athlete's behavior. So he is basically hinting as if this wasn't just about the bar fight. There have been, apparently, I guess maybe some other things that have happened that led to them making this decision to dismiss him.
2: Well, it's pretty obvious that 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 Coach Hardaway is is willing to give players second and third opportunities, second and third chances. I have no issues with that. As long as the school is on board, and I'm sure the school is on board with this. I mean, Penny pretty much does what Penny does, right? What, what he once done. But I guess everything still has to funnel through the athletics director, Laird Veach. But we talked last year about Ole Miss going out there and getting Chris Beard, right? Even though all the charges were dropped on Chris Beard. You know, there was obviously that, that baggage. And I said here, I thought it was a great hire. Yeah, I mean, you may have a problem But as far as the bottom line is this guy is a great X's and O's coach and he's going to do well, and right now Ole Miss is undefeated. And that shouldn't be the end-all be-all, just what the guy can do as a coach or what this player can do on the court. Obviously, they have to be somewhat upstanding citizens and good people. Now, again, an incident or two if it happens and you're willing to give those people's second chances. I understand. Now, we're not talking about you know, murder. We're not talking about that. Now, with Mikey Williams, it's a different situation. However, his felony charge, which right now does not is not standing, right? We had the uh, defense attorney call in to our show to explain that to us. It's not actually there. It's the diversion, like you said. And officially, as long as he does everything he's supposed to do laid out by the judge, he will Turn that felony into a misdemeanor, and if you got a misdemeanor, then I think there's no question that Coach Hardaway and other coaches would give those people, the player in this uh, in this uh, situation, a second chance. So there's going to be criticism of Coach Hardaway for going out there and, and, and take. But we've seen it in in. Collegiate sports many times over and over again. It's happened before at the University of Memphis, where players have been, whether it be football players, whether it be basketball players, whether it be other athletes, that they may have had a troubled pass or it may have not worked out at a different school, and they're given that second opportunity or maybe even that third opportunity at Memphis or wherever it may be. I mean, again, I'm all for it if you don't want to put young men and women out the pasture early in their careers if they've made mistakes. Now, if it's a continual thing and these people are just bad people, that's a whole different ballgame. But I think I can understand you know, going out and grabbing a player of this stature even though it comes with some incidents and a checkered past that you hope that the young man has turned around things and is willing to stay on the straight and narrow. But Penny Hardaway right now is working on trying to put together a national championship team. And again, I go back to what I said about the Jordan Brown thing. This doesn't bode well as far as that's concerned. we got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue this conversation to open up hour number two. You're tuned into Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 at 98.5 FM. <laughs>